everyone. It's Wednesday, March 17th. I'm Marianne Petrillo, CEO of West Business Development Center, and you are listening tonight to the New Normal Radio Hour. For many of us, today marks a day that the world tilted. One year ago, many of our businesses and our communities began to shutter itself behind closed doors. We all turned to our technology to bring us news of our family, our friends, and colleagues. We all came to the same conclusion that things were about to change. It was far too great in the beginning for us to truly comprehend what the long-term impact of what sheltering in place would mean. But here we are, one year later. We have survived and we will continue to create a new normal that works for each of us. Hopefully, it's a normal that takes nothing for granted and will continue to teach each of us how to adapt with confidence. My guests tonight, as we continue to celebrate Women's History Month, are two female business owners who exemplify both this confidence and the gratitude we have for surviving over the past year. Allison Smith Story, owner of Smith Story Wines, and the nonprofit Socks for Sandwich, and Anna Burkus, owner of Village Ecosystems and designer of the unique clothing line called Chick Fly. Before we begin, let me remind you that we'll open the phone lines around 7.30 to take your questions. So jot this number down, 707-895-2448. Allison and Anna, Thank you so much for joining me tonight and having this conversation. Thank you for having us. Yeah, fun to be here. Great. Um, you know, there's so much in your life experiences that I would like to discuss tonight. But before we get into the, the background story, let's start off with the here and now. And maybe you could give our listeners uh, just a brief kind of elevator pitch of your current business so that they get an idea of what the kind of business is that each of you run. So Allison, why don't we go ahead and start with you and then we'll turn to Ash. Sure, sure. Thank you again for having me. It's such a fun moment. You know, I was a, a radio TV major back in college. So this is kind of an old stick to be on the radio. Super fun. <laughs> So, gosh, currently, um, I, husband and I own Smith Story Wine Cellars, and we make our wine in Sonoma and have a wonderful little tasting room in Philo here in the Anderson Valley. Uh, we actually just celebrated our fourth year of being here. And both of our backgrounds um, have been in the wine business for a few decades of helping others. Um, Eric was a wine buyer for k Wine Merchants down in Redwood City in San Francisco, um, and that's where we met um, way back when. And then uh, my background really started in sports marketing, season ticket sales, advertising, working for the Dallas Stars and CBS Radio and the Texas Rangers. And somewhere in there, I fell in love with wine. And it really became a hobby of mine. And I had an opportunity to move to the Bay Area in the late 90s. I uh, moved here in 2000 and worked a couple more years in, uh, in high tech at that point. And at one point I said, I've got to do this. I've got to go help these wineries. I'm really good at sales and marketing and resigned without a job living in San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> 
but put myself pretty much in every every position that the wine supply chain has to offer, um, but a few things, uh, which led me to a really wonderful experience working for KNL, and I call that my my Ivy League Business School year of wine. Um, really was excited to to learn and just acted like a sponge that year. Um, moved on from them and started my own consulting firm based back in Texas and, and loosely based on a sports agency um, called Texacali Wine Company. Instead of having players, I had wineries, and I helped them with all their, their business that needed to be had in Texas and a few other states uh, down the road as well. So fast forward to a, a big World Series game in 2010, the Texas Rangers and the San Francisco Giants. I'm living back in the Bay Area, and uh, Mr. Story, I think he sent an email. It might have been a phone call. Um, he said, hey, you want to place the bet? The loser cooks uh, the other one dinner. So um, I had to cook dinner. The Giants won the series, um, and we've been pretty much inseparable ever since. Um, so that's where it all started. So by, by 2013, we got married and knew that we'd kind of been pushed into our passion to start the story wine cellars. That's fantastic. And Anna, how about you? You have a very interesting agenda. Well, um, I have two businesses, Village Ecosystems and Chick-fil-A, and Village Ecosystems is what I've been doing for a long time, and um, Chick-fil-A is a new business, although the idea came to me several years ago. Um, Village Ecosystems is um, a sustainable water design and construction company. So I have a background in hydrology and I'm a general engineering contractor. And I always knew I wanted to do environmental work and, and work in sustainable development. And uh, having, you know, spent a lot of time in college, not studying marketing and business as I should have been. <laughs> <laughs> Taking a bunch of science classes and other fun cultural classes and such. Um, I, I finally found myself back in Mendocino County where I wanted to be. And uh, in some ways, I accidentally started Village Ecosystems. It wasn't really a plan. It was more that I wanted to do things. And, um, you know, a friend was just like, just start a business and just say you're doing them. Don't quit your job. Don't, you know, just start a business. And so I, you know, started going out to some events in town. Like um, there was a watershed poetry event in Ukiah at the time that I went to. That was my first tabling event. But anyway, today at Village Ecosystems, I do everything from the sustainable green building side, which is like rainwater systems and rainwater catchment and rain gardens and bioswales and, you know, drought tolerant landscaping, that kind of thing to, um, the hydrology side, like um, water rights and stream restoration, um, different kinds of hydrologic monitoring and reporting, calculations of things like the 100-year flood event for culvert sizing, um, water rights, like in stream bed alteration agreements, um, other sorts of permits and such. Mm -hmm. um, and that keeps me very, very busy. And that's why it took me eight years to start Kickfly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a completely different agenda. <laughs> yeah. So Chick is the company I just launched on Kickstarter. And we're really excited because we, you know, we made like seven times our goal. We had a goal of 20000 and we made 148000 um, to make pants. And they're pants with a fly that works for women. And that's a um, design that I invented and patented got a utility patent for. And basically they're a stretched pants with a pull apart fly. And if you're at all familiar with 
either um, split pants that are designed for um, young babies for elimination communication and potty training, or with like really old fashioned bloomers that people were in the 1800s. You can imagine pants the slit, but those pants didn't have stretchy fabric because it wasn't invented back then. So Chick-fly has stretchy fabric instead and it overlaps such that it's tight like yoga pants and it doesn't open by accident. And there's no fastening devices or zippers. You just pull them apart and then let them close after you go to the bathroom. Um, and that, you know, basically I've been doing prototypes and refining the, the design pattern as well as doing like outreach and marketing and learning about marketing and learning how to make videos and all of that for the past um, eight years until I finally got the point to the Kickstarter point, which just happened. And now I'm at the point where, you know, um, I, I just received the funds from Kickstarter. So I've been doing some of the final purchases that I need to do to, to manufacture the pants. And we will probably start manufacturing in, in about um, 12 or 14 days. Wow. So exciting. You know, yeah. this is, this is uh, both of you really exemplify one of the reasons why I love the work that we do at West with so many entrepreneurs. People come to entrepreneurship from all different backgrounds. You know, it doesn't mean that you have to come to it because you're marketing or because you're doing this or because you have this hobby. I mean, it just could everything and anything could happen to make someone realize that they have to do this business. And like you say, you just call it a business. You know, it's like at some point you just sort of get started uh, with it. Now it's interesting. And I'm glad you brought up the Kickstarter because um, we're finding, you know, what we're seeing is that more and more businesses are taking advantage of doing some crowdfunding type of um, funding. And Allison, I think you also, had experience in yeah. your business. What was that like? We we did. You know, there's a there's a funny saying in the in the wine business. You know, to to make a million dollars, you need to start with five million. And uh, Eric and I did not have that, but we started a winery anyways. <laughs> um, but I thought, you know, utilizing Kickstarter in 2014, it was just kind of at the peak of um, being its own crowdfunding site. Um, there's a lot of other sites now that have, that have developed because of that. But I thought, you know, what a unique place and a unique time to start a business and have that tool. And we, we really use Kickstarter to tell our story, to be very, very honest, very authentic. Our campaign was, you know, family farmers first. You know, our first step in sustainability with our business was going to be supporting family grape growers um, and to tell that story and to explain, you know, how we were going to start our business. Um, it was a lot of fun. It was like running a small business. So you, I, I always give advice, never, never start a crowdfunding campaign unless you've got 30 days to completely commit 24-7 to it. It's really that important. Um, but, you know, it, it, we, we hit our goal, you know, we didn't ask for the 5 million. I'm kind of rethinking that at this point, <laughs> seven years later. <laughs> um, but that's when I started realizing the power of Lord Sandwich, um, as you brought up earlier. Um, we have a wonderful golden doodle that we got a, a year before we were married and just uh, full of personality and just just almost indescribable, but I began writing in his voice uh, just for a creative release on an Instagram. And over the first couple of years, we noticed that he was an incredible um, master of sock thievery. He stole socks faster than we could get them out of the dryer. 
Um, fast forward to after our first harvest, um, I had been thinking and talking with Eric, what can we do to give back? You know, we're making wine for a living. That's pretty, pretty privileged and pretty special. Um, I really want to do something to give back, um, not only just to our local community, but to the world. What is that? And I'll be darned if Sandwich didn't spark that idea. Um, by him bringing around socks in our living room, I said, that's it, socks for Sandwich. If Tom's shoes could get started by buying a pair and giving a pair away to somebody in need, maybe Sandwich can inspire compassion and in giving new socks. And that was close to Christmas of 14. And since then, we've given over 50,000 pair of new socks to families all over the nation. Um, unfortunately, a lot of that's been focused in California due to wildfires. Um, but it's, it's, we, well, I kind of accidentally started a global nonprofit that uh, ultimately I'd like to get a lot more time to work on it. <laughs> and, and so you will, I'm sure, with your determination and, and your back. Yeah. Um, but it's just an amazing thing. It's all been very organic and sandwiches, friends and pals and followers. I mean, I, I can't even, what a joy it, ha it has been to have that circle in our life. And that circle's big. I mean, in uh, 2000, uh, 2019, the summer of 2019, we had over 20 countries represented for families that planned their entire vacation to America to visit Sandwich here in the Anderson Valley <laughs> wow. and discover this beautiful county that we live in. And it just, I, it's just, it's really, that's the storybook. It's really amazing. And it is the telling that authentic story that makes a lot of businesses so successful. Uh, Anna, I'm sure when you did your, now it's interesting, Allison, you started your Kickstarter campaign, you said what, 2014? 14, yep. And, and that was in the early days where there really mm -hmm. wasn't a lot of variety in how to do alternative funding. And being yeah. a owned business, it's always a little more challenging to get the enough of the funding that you need, enough of the capital that you need. But now yeah. Anna, you only just finished your Kickstarter campaign. Uh, was it was it a similar kind of intensity level for you um, to get started in it? Yes. Um, so I thought it would take me a year to prepare to launch a Kickstarter. <laughs> so I started making my video and it took me like five years. So I, you know, I, I I didn't really know what I was doing when I started, you know, put, started a chick flex Facebook page and got a lot of followers and started posting pictures and people are like, you should, you know, trademark that and patent that and do all those kind of things. And I'm like, oh, well, I already put up photos. So, you know, okay. <laughs> um, but I also had told people that I, you know, within a year I would launch the product and I didn't because I couldn't get it done that fast. And I not only like with my first attempted the video not good enough but like the you know the pattern took longer than i thought and the first designer i worked with wasn't good enough and those kind of things so it took me five years to make a movie and i still did it all you know basically all myself i did have like assistants teaching me how to do the videography and and reviewing it and making suggestions and all all sorts of things but um basically i learned how to do it myself and i did it myself and uh Let's see, the intensity of it. I would say leading up to it was incredibly intense. And the first two weeks were intense. And then I hit a point of a little bit of um, burnout and desperation that I had to work on my other business. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just like, well, well, I also hit a point where I knew I was satisfied with the money I'd made. That was a part of it. Like, 
like when I hit about 80,000, I was like, okay, do I keep adding like incentives and stretch goals? Cause I had added one stretch goal of, um, leggings as well as the straight legs, legged pants. And then I realized that the rewards started getting so complicated. I, did, I hadn't realized that people can't just purchase two different rewards, that every reward has to be a combo. And then I was like, I don't want to do all these extra things. And, and so I realized that there was actually like an ideal a number to reach. And that's kind of where I hit is that, you know, around that 150,000 zone. So I let myself slow down in the middle and sure I had some guilt about it sometimes but I worked on my other business a lot for like three weeks and then I kind of ramped up at the end again and I had kind of a longer campaign I had a 43-day campaign so I had a bit more time um, to kind of ramp up in the end um, but I would say I was on for most of three months mm -hmm. and those three all weeks. during the pandemic, right? All during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. And those three weeks wow. in the middle, I might have just been like <laughs> totally exhausted and couldn't do very much anyway, you know? I yeah. don't know. It was like, it kind of was like I hit a wall. And then when it was over, I hit a wall too. And I'm supposed to do like more social media posts and everything <laughs> ended. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just kind of got exhausted. So it's interesting, you know, because uh, Kickstarter is an example, but it, for all business entrepreneurs, one of the hardest things is that marketing and that communication out to the public um and you know communication is very complex now there's just no doubt about it there's many many channels there's many ways to reach people and um all those channels are also filled with other things that are going on i'm curious to know from from each of you kind of what were some of the the more challenging things that you faced as you were sort of getting and launching your your business you know what were some of the hurdles that you started with and then and then if you can juxtapose that against some of the hurdles that are today are they similar or are they very different i think i mean i think the beginning was a little bit easier than this middle part for us i think just because of oversupply in the world of wine um and then we've had four years of crazy wildfires that have totally changed um our financial focus and and you know business as usual but i think four years of having wildfires has kind of prepared really prepared me um just to be stronger once the pandemic hit um i think the hardest thing for me in the last 12 months is like you said there's so many ways to communicate what is my voice how do we reach our customers i don't want to always be selling something and I think it was successful at that, just giving them a heads up on what's going on here because everybody was stuck at home. I mean, I think staying completely customer obsessed gives me focus. Um, I think this has kind of been our secret sauce of all sorts, um, you know, to be customer obsessed from the beginning to where, you know, when I'm running our wine clubs, I think about every single person and when we met, what their dog's name is, you know, where they live. It's, it's been pretty amazing. Um, and I think that led us into uh, really running um, our business based on gratitude. And I know you touched on that earlier in the intro. And um, having that gratitude as your core center really has kept at least me optimistic in those really crazy days where I'm like, why am I not laying on the floor crying right now? <laughs> you know? I mean, as a business owner, you know, we go up and down, up and down, but I just feel like that, that light bulb moment for me was really gratitude over these past, you know, past year for sure. 
And then how about you? You have two businesses, one that has been going for a while and one that now is new. So you're almost at two different levels at the same time. Yeah. Well, um, I would say with Village Ecosystems, the hardest part was when I started doing the cannabis consulting um, in like 2016 and 17. And there was such complexity of codes and policies and so many people's properties seemed hopeless and I felt you know responsible for them um, in terms of um, them passing certain environmental um, reviews etc and also felt you know it's often bad when when I was the one that had to bring the news of like them needing to spend you know tens of, of thousands if not you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to do environmental work on their properties when they felt like they were already, you know, doing their best to be um, sustainable stewards. And so um, there was, it was such a learning curve for everyone in the beginning that it, that I just like really carried that stress. And I would say that that was probably some of the most stressful times of my life is feeling responsible for my clients. Um, and that's gotten a bit better um, because I feel like more of an expert. And so like, I feel like at least like now I'm, I'm, I feel more confident that I am doing my best and that they're in good hands. And so that really helps, you know, me feel good about my work. And I think I've also just learned to like, try to separate myself a little bit and actually chick like kind of provides me with um, something else to think about. So it's actually like a creative outlet where like, I can be like, Oh, I'm going to work on this. And like, and I usually, I usually um, don't work on the same things on the same days. I mean, I might have to run an errand for one of the other businesses, but in general, I work best in chunks. So I work mm -hmm. on those ecosystems for uh, several days or weeks, and then I work on chick fly for several days or weeks, and and uh, my brain works better this way. So in some ways, each business provides me like a respite from the other. Um, I would say in the beginning, there were years where work was really slow at Village Ecosystems. It took me a long time to get off the ground. But that wasn't like particularly stressful. It was just that I never knew if I would ever make it. Um, and I, I also feel kind of like past that point. Um, and we still have new learning curves. Like now we're on a big sequel learning curve. But I feel like it's within a framework of environmental compliance that I understand now that like I feel more confident tank it, taking it on. Um, with Chick Fly, I would say the hardest point so far was um i think it's just that like last five percent before that launch because that launch was like my goal for so many years that um i had a lot of stress of like am i going to be successful or not and i also had a lot of like awkward feelings about how to communicate to my followers because i had prom not promised but i had said i was going to start so many times that I kind of like ran out of things to tell them about for a couple of years. And so I just posted like articles that related to like feminism or equality and such. Um, but it just felt like a really awkward time in social media for me. Um, and I felt like it was hard to like gain them back or something like that. Um, and I, at this point, I just feel so relieved to have passed that point. And it's almost like prior to that, as I was thinking about doing a Kickstarter, there was always like something else I possibly could do. So like the, the possibility of what I could do to raise funds seemed endless. Whereas right now I see, feel like I'm imagining a finite amount of work that I'm doing, which is like my next goals. And somehow they seem more achievable, um, even though I'm sure I'll come up with giant problems again in the future, but <laughs> at the moment they seem more achievable. 
So just in the in the few minutes that we've been talking, you know, for both of you, I mean, it's just astounding how many things you each have to do for your businesses and each and every day. And one of the reoccurring themes that we always hear from women entrepreneurs is striking that balance, you know, that endless working day uh, mm -hmm. against family, friends, time to be something else. And Allison, you spoke about your nonprofit, which probably similar to what Anna is saying about Chick-fil-A is maybe gives you a something different to focus on. Yes. How do Absolutely. How do you, how do you get there? How do you get that? Yeah. I mean, Easy that's, you know, I, I agree. I, I mean, I'm creative and I love, I love the hospitality part, you know, the minutia of the running the business is the soul sucking part of each and every day and takes up too much time. But as a small business, you know, you wear many hats and thank goodness I've got a great partner that helps with a lot of things too. But I feel that, um, you know, it really comes down to that balance of understanding where you're going, you know, and Eric and I have a big focus on, you know, we're in this for the long haul. Um, this is our livelihood. You know, what are the things that we enjoy most? Uh, we had some really, we we're given some amazing advice from, from Molly Drew of Drew Family Wines that are, you know, out in Elk and there are neighbors here in Philo. But she said to us a few years ago, she said, Allie, you know, your time off with each other and your family is your currency when you're building this business. And, um, you know, they've been at it for 20, 25 years. And, you know, I think um, this even this year, they've even learned, you know, how to balance that even better and have have some time away from that minutia and enjoy the journey. Um, our first seven years has, has been a bit challenging with all Mother Nature events, for sure. So we're yeah. looking forward to uh, some uneventful years ahead, please. <laughs> Man, we're all, we're all looking for boring, boring, boring year. Yeah, boring year yeah, go. just a normal boring year, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, Anna, how about you? A balance and striking that, you know, kind of not being on the cycle of working 24-7. Well, in, so I have been self-employed for kind of for, for, for a long, long time. Um, like, so I, I finished grad school in um, 2005, but I, that was like when I actually finished my thesis and graduated. So I actually had moved back to Point Arena in, um, I guess, maybe 2004, just before that. Um, and I, maybe it was even earlier, I guess I don't know the timeline, but... Um, but basically, even though I was still working on my thesis, I got a part-time job doing hydrology work for um, Ridge to River and Terry Jo Barber, who's been a long-term mentor for me. And she, um, you know, had I worked from home and did various projects with her. So I was already kind of like on my own timeline and schedule, and I never really had a structure. And it's actually just the last couple of weeks where I've, been telling myself like I'm going to take the weekends off and I'm going to work during the week <laughs> and before that it was free flow and now the free flow was fine when I didn't have enough work in the first 10 years because I just you know I had my kid and when I had a few hours I'd work and it just didn't matter because I actually you know had a lot of time off in the beginning um and then but these last few years I just at first, you know, there's something about going with the flow that's nice. I mean, you can work on this project or that project, but um, it. The, I think the problem with for me is it just got to the point where I felt guilty. I felt too guilty for not working all the time. 
And so um, I'm basically on week three of trying to take my weekends off and we're going to see how it goes. Right on. <laughs> a, a female trait that we all struggle from, but um, it, it is important to take that time off. And I think, yeah. ironically, I think that COVID has taught a lot of us who were working from home and there isn't any break that we have to consciously take that break. And that's something that I think entrepreneurs who have been longtime entrepreneurs are kind of coming to that realization because sheltering mm -hmm. in place forces you to be here all the time and you just mm -hmm. keep working. And so now we have to consciously make the break. Uh, I'm gonna just interrupt for one second to say that if you are just tuning in, I'm Marianne Petrillo from CEO of West Business Development Center and you're listening tonight to the new normal radio hour. Our topic tonight is in celebration of women-owned businesses, and my guests are Allison Smith-Story, owner of Smith-Story Winery, and Anna Burkis, owner of Village Ecosystems and chick fil a new clothing company. If you'd like to ask a question or share one of your own challenges as a woman entrepreneur as a, or as an entrepreneur in Mendocino County, we uh, would love to have you call in and ask a question. Our call-in number is 707-895-2448. So um, tell me, what do you see are, might be some of the bigger challenges that you're going to be facing in the next couple of years? And you both mentioned wildfires, the COVID, things that we've gone through. But as a business owner, as the work that you're doing, do you see some challenges ahead that you're kind of anticipating and preparing for? I mean, for me, the game has changed. Um, the wildfires have changed harvests and fears and, and because of the fires in 2020 and the smoke, we didn't make a single drop of wine. So now we're looking at other ways, you know, to fill our cellar um, because of the pandemic. Um, our wholesale channels almost completely shut down um, at a time that we had forecasted to open 20 new markets. Um, that's probably not coming back for another 18, 24 months. And it may not be something that's profitable at that point, you know, with consolidation of all the big wine companies and consolidation of uh, wholesalers out there. It's been a really tough road for um, wine producers under, you know, 10,000 cases of wine like us. So it's something that we're very focused on figuring out. You know, we have a lot of neat and new ways to sell our wine. Um, you know, and just thank goodness we were busy. I think because we were so busy these past, um, this past year, it kind of kept our, our worry warts in check, <laughs> you know. Um, but I think, you know, the fires are a real thing. You know, and I, I say this in, in kind of joking, but if there's another crazy wildfire, we're moving our tasting room to Santa Fe. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I just I just can't imagine going through another time like we did and hosting people, ash just falling on our shoulders, driving down 101 to get past the, the, the yellow smoke because that's the bad smoke. And, um, you know, it's just frightening. And uh, it's it's been a lot of um you know, we don't want to look back, but we have to look back at the situation to see what our future is going to bring. Uh, I think we have a caller. Anna, hold on, and I'll come back to you on that question. You want to open the call line? Yeah. Hello? Hello? Hi. Yeah, this is Lillian from San Jose. Um, 
I'm an older adult and trying to start a business, but I wanted to talk about when you spoke about feeling guilty, uh, were you stating that you were not putting in enough time on your business or you were putting in too much time? I wasn't sure I understood that, but um, you you have a lot to look forward to when you get older, (laughs) too. By the way, I was looking forward to going back to the wineries when COVID ended, so I'm expecting, hopefully, that most of them will be open and we can travel all up and down the state. Thank you. Thank you. I did want to clarify. I don't think I actually worked more when I felt guilty, and that's why I'm trying to make the structure. It would be more like I'd work, and then I'd crash, and I'd feel like guilty about crashing because it would be in the middle of the week. And overall, I don't think I had more hours out of it. It just um, it made me feel like I never had time off. And so what it ended up happening is it's like somebody asked me if I wanted to do something or if I wanted to just like go on a hike or do something. I felt like I couldn't do it. I couldn't plan it because I hadn't gotten enough done. But so my my concept, and we're going to see if it works, is that um, if I actually do the work week like I'm supposed to, and I I mean, I'll trade a few hours and stuff like this is work. I'm going to say that this counts and that's part of my 40 hour work week and I get to take an extra hour off during the day. Um, so, so I'm not like super strict, but, um, the idea is when the weekend comes, I want to let it go or when I have a vacation and I've had a few vacations in the last five years where I brought my work with me and I didn't let it go. And I just want to do it different. So, um, so it was more just that I always felt guilty, but I didn't get more work done, which is not, I, <laughs> well, and thank goodness. I mean, my my guilt is, you know, we're hospitality on the weekend. So, you know, where is that day off? I can't take yeah. work doesn't stop on a Monday or Tuesday. So we we implemented a little bit last year and have started the beginning of this year Sundays off. Sunday is family day for Eric and I, and it has involved a lot of laundry. <laughs> but at least it's just a day to to turn it off a bit. But, um, you know, I've even felt guilt this past year and, you know, having wine, you know, like so many more important people are out there saving lives and teaching kids and, you know, what you're doing to save the earth. And, you know, I get in my own head with, you know, all these things, but then, it, you know, I, I am brought back down. It is our livelihood. You know, everything we've ever um, learned and created has gone into our business. And, um, that keeps me going too. Cause I do know that our wine has brought a few, a few thousand people, a little joy <laughs> during this horrible moment in time. Yeah. Uh, and, and a greater richness in our community and small businesses, yeah. and local women owned businesses and all of that. Yeah. And as you see, our last caller wants to come back up. So, you know, to the Bay Area, to our area. And yeah. So, so it's clearly something that. Absolutely. Uh, well, I really enjoy the, the the women in this community immensely, uh, whether they are in the wine industry or out of it. I mean, I just the I think we really turned to each other about this time last year and reaching out. Who needs help? You know, I had I had many little gifts on the bumper of my car. You know, we took ragu to people that were living alone. I mean, we really were here, and I, I realized right away that. You know, this county is so special. I mean, we're by the sea for fish. People have have chickens and, and cattle and grow fruits to vegetables. I mean, we're good, you know, and I and I kiddingly said to my husband a lot, as long as we have wine and bottle, we're fine. We've got something to trade if it all goes to hell. You know, so um, this community has really been um, just a shining, shining star really over this past year. It's just been incredible to be here. Um, Anna, do you think that um, 
with um, COVID uh, now kind of being in this transition time that we're in, is this, do you think your clothing uh, product design is going to now expand? Are you looking to kind of research and go into bigger markets? Is that sort of the next phase? Um, well, I at first I was worried about launching in the middle of a pandemic, um, but I kind of knew I had to do it because one, I felt like I, I had a design and that even though I had a patent, somebody else might do more things first with those kinds of designs. And then I also just felt like people are at home on their computers looking at novel things. And this, I, I believe that, that these pants are novel and that they do meet a lot of people's needs. And I, so I thought there'd be interest anyway. And especially given that we're in a pandemic and people have a really hard time finding a place to go to the bathroom when they're out and about. So I was hoping that people would be like thinking about it um, as well as like thinking about like, oh, the only thing I can do is go outside. I can't really do anything else for for fun or recreation. Um, and what was the second part of the question about the future? Well, just about how you think that your clothing line, do you think that you will be exploring like new markets or broader markets? Oh. I mean, I'm sure the Kickstarter campaign has started that. Yeah. Well, um, basically, I through the Kickstarter campaign, I put, I'm putting the money back in to make more pants to sell in an online store, and that'll be my next step. And I have a couple other designs I want to um, put out there. Um, you know, I want to do a merino wool version, and I'd like to do a, um, a jumpsuit because jumpsuits, you know, people put on shirts or sweaters, and then they have to take everything off to go to the bathroom. So I think that could be a popular item. And then maybe more of an athletic version of the pants made out of a different fabric that um, is uh, hopefully still sustainable but also maybe made of a plastic. I don't really know. It's a hard one for me to figure out. But, but basically, I'm trying to prove that there's a market for these pants. And then I hope to maybe license the patent to other companies. Um, that's kind of been my model. And then I may or may not continue selling them online. I haven't been very excited about retail, um, although I haven't totally put it out of the realm of possibility. Um, basically, I'm kind of going to wait and see. I'm going to just start the online store. I'm going to keep making videos and marketing ideas. I have some ideas about um, getting the community engaged in helping me market. And I, you know, was playing with the idea of like calling it like, you know, community supported advertising and just really trying to take that concept of um, getting people to take photographs of themselves in the pants and share online to win a free pair of pants and get discounts just kind of like take it to another level and like actually have a whole page designed on my webpage about that so that, um, you know, people that are really fans can, can really engage. I, I don't know. I'm kind of playing with these ideas because I feel guilty. <laughs> it's funny. I don't think of myself as a guilty person, but it's coming up a lot. Um, <laughs> advertising on Facebook and Instagram. Yet where are you supposed to advertise online? There's not like a lot of avenues. So I'm trying to think about ways to share the resource or the money, which is essentially, you know, pants or pants credits with people that have the pants and can take photographs and post them or let me use them instead. I don't know. I'm kind of playing with these ideas. Well, Allison, I'm sure you understand being a marketing uh, expert mm -hmm. yourself. You know, it's it's really about targeting the right audience with the right communication channels and matching those two together. Uh, and I'm sure in the wine business, you know, again, channels that have been 
Mm-hmm. Created are there for you? Are you taking advantage as well of the e-commerce? Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I honestly feel like we were built for a pandemic. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have a place to to meet us um, officially until four years ago. Um, so our online sales have carried us every year. Um, you know, and I and I give advice a lot to to people that come to me like, how'd you do it? How'd you take that step? And it's so cliche, but you just do it. Um, you have to have confidence in, in your vision, your idea, your product. And for me, um, the marketing is not hard. It's not the job part. It's, it's, it's the honest truth. And um, storytelling and marketing, when you have an honest thing and a real thing and a real soul behind it, it really, it just happens. And that's, that's been pretty cool. Yeah, and I could see, Anna, for you with your, you know, your focus so much on your design and getting that, mm-hmm. the marketing is, a, is an additional piece, but I think you're on the right track for sure about yeah. the story and showing the people in the clothing and getting that. I mean, that's that's the thing that makes people light up. Uh, yeah. And I've seen your videos and they're great. So. Yeah, it's like one of those things, like, why hasn't that happened before? I mean, like, it's brilliant, Anna. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> You probably get that asked a lot. Like, why didn't somebody else think of this? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Eric and I have always said, and I've always definitely said in in all of my businesses, but, you know, I think that, you know, for the winery, for Smith Store, we always have wanted to be that winery that a wine drinker, whether they're a big collector or just a, a, you know, Tuesday night taco wine drinker. We want to be that winery and provide those wines that uh, people don't want to live without. That have a real loyalty, and our story resonates. And overall, we want to offer a beautiful product that really kind of over exceeds those expectations and offers a real value. And you know, going back and seeing, um, you know, I think almost every one of our Kickstarter backers, our club members, you know, we. We've seen their kids grow up over the last seven years, and it's just, it's, it's just, it's, it goes back to entrepreneurship 101. You're either in it for pure capitalism or you're in it to be sustainable, create a company, give back to your community, um, and do something good. And I think we're a little bit more in the middle of that because, of course, we've got to make some money along the way. <laughs> um, um, just to, if you're tuning in, I'm Marianne Petrillo, CEO of West Business Development Center, and you're listening to the New Normal Radio Hour. Our topic tonight is in celebration of women-owned businesses, and my guest is Allison Smith Story, owner of Smith Story Winery, and Anna Burkis, owner of Village Ecosystems and Chick Light, a new clothing company. If you'd like to ask a question or participate in this dialogue, please call us at 707-895-24. Four, eight. So, um, are there is there anything that um, either of you would probably do differently now? Uh, now that you're kind of into both of your respective um, uh, work and your businesses, that you might you know have said, "Oh, looking back, I wish I didn't do X, Y, or Z." Or do you think everything was a learning journey? I think it's a great question. Um, you know, there's there's definitely things I do different. I think I let personal relationships affect some disappointment and failures along the way. I trusted some of that, but I think as a whole, um, I think we we we've done what we knew how to do. We've we've learned so much along the way. Um, you know, I always think, yeah, that 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 going back to that, yeah, that five million dollars definitely would have made things easier. <laughs> 
Um, but I've definitely been encouraged and, and tell this to other entrepreneurs too. I mean, if you can keep reinvesting and put all that you make back into the business for growth, um, you know, and I think that's been a real important part for us. I mean, Lord, I'm still driving a 14 year old car <laughs> that I bought with a big commission check back in the day, you know? So, um, I think reinvesting in, and your, and your core competency and, and your focus and your business, I think that's been a, a really truthful part of our business that's led to some success. I think, um, what you said earlier about marketing, I agree that, um, the marketing has not been the work. Mm-hmm. Telling the story has really been a pleasure. Um, and, and, uh, I mean, I might be, I might be able to be a bit more efficient at it. So that's something I've learned along the way is how to be more efficient. Um, but, uh, I probably have a lot more to learn in that area going forward. Um, and another aspect, I don't know if it's something I do differently. I, I would do it differently if I could, but something I've had a really hard time learning how to do it all is how to have employees. And it's just something that I found that I'm not good at. And I'm really good at having like partners and collaborators and people that I expect to totally take care of their end and not need much instruction from me. But I'm not good, just maybe like I'm not good at providing structure for myself. I'm not good at providing the structure for somebody else. And and that's, I think this goes back to another question I keep going back to older things because I want to say more about what we talked Mm -hmm. about before. Um, When you ask about challenges for us in the future, um, I think about how am I going to do this all? And the next step, the thing you're supposed to do is get employees. And I'm like, but I'm not good at that. And so I haven't figured that out yet. Mm-hmm. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It's, hard. It, it's like hard on so many levels. It's hard on like the, ex- the structure and the expectation and if they don't work out firing them and deciding to hire them in the first place. And maybe I've had a hard time because Village Ecosystems requires me to invest in somebody for about two years before they're up to speed and trained. So I have to put a huge amount of money and research and investment into this person. Yeah. And then if I don't provide the structure, like maybe I don't even know that it's not going to work out or something for a while. So I, and I think that in some ways, chip file will be easier because I will be able to potentially hire somebody to do something and they might only need two months of training, which is like mind blowing to me. Um, mm-hmm. But then, so that's one hard part is like just structure and finding the right person. But then um, the other hard part is, you know, just the legal legalities of it and, all the payroll stuff and making sure you don't mess up and, and all the liability associated with it. And really, I just want to, I mean, I, I just don't, <laughs> I want to work with people. No. I don't have employees. I don't want to work within the government structures that exist today for employment. I do not like them. I'm not it's crazy. Yeah. They're crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yes. One of the, one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges, right. Is when, once you, once you launch and you have that idea and you get it out of your system and you're like on your way, the next biggest single thing that every entrepreneur has is scaling. Like now mm-hmm. it's scaling up and that's scaling up. I mean, there's, you know, programs about this and dialogue about, I mean, it's just, it's truly on a, you're spot on with those things because that's the next thing. And it's deciding on all of those things. 
you know, the employee ownership relationship, the compliance issues, it just, it just grows yeah. exponentially. And um, again, I'm, I'm speaking just in the voice of someone who is managing, working with, you know, hundreds of clients every day, you know, this is not um, an easy task. And it's something that everybody has to learn. And we all have our own strengths, right? We all have things that we like to do and things that we don't like to do and things that we're really good at uh, and stuff. And scaling up, though, is really that next level that that entrepreneurs. And, um, you know, so it's sort of like success is, you know, is one of those one of those challenges. Um, but there are ways to do it. And, and you know, I, I think of, you know, clothing designers like Eileen Fisher and stuff when she mm-hmm. started her her business and did not have anybody um, and getting started on it took a while and her biggest challenge was like managing people like that was like a, one of the biggest things and of course now it's you know yeah yeah <laughs> Now, thank God for those clothes. She doesn't do any of that. But, but, you know, there's lots of these stories out there of of scaling and the challenges that that come with that. So I can definitely see that um, as being sort of the next hurdle. We do live in a wonderful environment with supportive people. And I think both of you touched on the importance of community and the local community helping each other out. And I think we learned you know, I mean, both of you shared with me individuals that have really helped you along uh, the, the journey um, to to do and learn different things, and uh, and I think that's a that's because of the area too where we live. Yeah, I mean, it was really uh, impressed upon me even more so when we were able to to open outside in July, and the the people and the guests that came to visit. Um, 90% had not been to Mendocino County before and they all couldn't wait to explore. And how special is that? Um, you know, they had a love for wine. They also had a passion for hiking and, you know, hanging out in the ocean and, and really, really discovering this area. And, um, that really excited Eric and I that we're, we feel like we're in the right place. Um, I think. Um, it was a bit of a silver lining. We got to show off Mendocino County to a lot of people. And I think um, we did it with grace. And I think we did it very well with keeping strict protocols and all the sanitation that went down this past year <laughs> in our lives. My goodness. Um, but I know uh, I know tomorrow there's a few hundred more people getting their second vaccination here in the Valley. And we're all very excited, a little nervous. But um, I think we're going to continue to be a V be a very safe place to, to do business in and to invite others. Yes, Mendocino has done a phenomenal job in yeah. vaccines out. So, um, Allison, and I'm going to ask Anna this, but Allison, tell me a little bit, tell our audience about how to get to your wines, where you're located. Oh, oh thank you. Your um, website, the, your phone the, number. <laughs> sure, don't, don't call us. We're terrible <laughs> at taking phone calls. <laughs> But, uh, you know, smithstorywines.com is our website. Um, that's a, definitely a great starting place. We're very active on Instagram, smithstorywines. Um, you know, most of our wine is sold through our website. Um, Eric and I, that was one of our big pivots. We brought all of our packing and shipping in-house since nobody can come into the tasting room. So um, if you place an order online, it's probably going to be filled by uh, by Eric. I'll maybe write the thank you note or something. But uh uh, a lot of TLC, these are our babies, and we're so excited to, to be able to, to have that 
online channel, but come see us. We're, we're here in the Madrones in Philo, uh, right next to GoldenEye. The Madrones has about 13 guest rooms where you can spend the night, a beautiful restaurant on site, a new apothecary, two other beautiful tasting rooms. Um, I mean, this whole valley is just full of wonderful things. And um, we found that a lot of people are spending a couple nights on the coast, a couple nights in the valley, and that's a, that's a good time off week. So we ought to do it ourselves, actually. <laughs> So for people who's outside of Mendocino, that's on Route 128, right? Yep, yep. Yeah, I've even started a hashtag, CA128 West. Excellent. Uh, you can follow that and see all the sites. So Excellent. And Anna, how can we get some of your wonderful pants? <laughs> uh, well, um, kickfly.com is the webpage. That's C-H-I-C-K-F-L-Y.com. Um, and if you want to get announcements for um, when we launch the online store. You can sign up for the newsletter and then you'll hear about that. You can also follow us on Facebook backslash Chickfly and on Instagram backslash Chickfly Pants. And um, Village Ecosystems is my other company, villageecosystems.com. And um, also on Facebook and Instagram as Village Ecosystems. Um, yeah, so... That's how you would get in touch via either web page, most likely. That's fantastic. Thank you. Um, so let's see. We're coming almost to the end uh, of our of our time. It's been a great dialogue. Thank you so much, really, uh, each one of you, for participating here tonight. It's been really, uh, you know, an honor for me to hear hear your stories. Um, what would you like to share? with um some of the new entrepreneurs you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people coming out now and doing some really interesting and innovative work and um you know what would you give as advice or recommendations to them well i guess i would say let yourself surprise yourself because i didn't know i was starting a business either time and especially before I started Village Ecosystems, I didn't think my, of myself as an entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial, God, I can't even say it, entrepreneur at all. And, um, but once I like started on that path, it's like all, all of a sudden my brain changed and I can see businesses and I can imagine how to start them. Um, granted, when I started Village Ecosystems, it was a service-based business, so it had a very low overhead. And so I, I didn't have to like worry about investing in a bunch of equipment and stuff. Um, but like basically it really was just a friend who was just like learn how to make a web page and put up a website and offer the service or or you know put up your hand out business cards and so it really started like slow like that for me um chick fly took a lot more buildup and momentum but um so yeah i would just say let yourself let yourself be surprised and and dream and start something you know and and look for multiple ideas like how would this work or how would that work yeah. yeah, I agree. I mean, I would say don't don't have tunnel vision and stick to what you know exactly. Um, you know, from Smith Story Wine Cellars, we've started Smith Story Sundries. It's a vintage decor shop inside our tasting room. You know, socks for sandwich, sandwich the doodle has started. Um, I'm often inspired. I, I was born in Waco, Texas, of all places. And there's this power couple there now, Chip and Joanna Gaines. And they have uh, started a few businesses over the years. And that is a true example of, of just keeping your eyes open and, and seeing where your business and your passion will take you. And I'm, I'm so excited to, to just give that confidence to others. Just go for it. You know, I feel like Smith Story, 
I mean, that's a, it's a great name. People can pronounce it. They can write it. It's, who knows? It could be on tennis shoe one day and it can have a division of wine over here. Who knows? But, you know, I'm, I'm all about it. Hopefully Allison, having fun along the way. <laughs> Allison's story and Anna Burkus, thank you so much for joining tonight. Um, you've been listening tonight to the New Normal Radio Hour. Uh, this month is a three-part series celebrating Women's History Month. Coming up uh, on March 31st will be our final episode. We'll be talking to several policy folks about the latest stats on gender equity and how new appropriations may arise to support women entrepreneurs and women in the workforce. One of our guests will be Claudia Vick, founder of Invest in Women Entrepreneurs Initiatives. I want to thank both of these ladies tonight for really sharing their stories with us. And I hope everyone who's listening will take advantage of their wonderful products and services in the coming uh, weeks ahead. I'm Marianne Petrillo, CEO of West Business Development Center, and we provide free business advising and training on all aspects of business development. So feel free to contact us at our website. It's westcenter.org, and our phone number is 707-964-7571. It's been a light, delight to host both of you this evening and um, please everyone you can find an archive of this show and all our programming online at jukebox.kzyx.org or on our homepage at kzyx.org many thanks also to engineer eddie Hal tonight thank you again and uh, keep doing the great work that you're doing because we're all really appreciative for you being here thank you marianne you have a good evening This has been a production of KZYX Philo 90.7 FM, KZYZ Willetson Dukaya 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM, Mendocino County Public Broadcasting. You can check out our website at kzyx.org to find more content like this, and consider donating by clicking the red donate button in the upper right corner. Thanks for listening.